Hey friends, welcome back for another episode of the podcast. Before we get started today, we want to specifically speak to you pastors. Now, maybe you are a pastor or someone you love is a pastor. We work with nonprofit leaders, business leaders, and church leaders, but there's something uniquely in our heart for pastors. Now, some of that is because I was a pastor. I pastored for 13 years, and I know the challenges and the joys of that. We also know that pastors have been in an incredible season of challenge and criticism and loss and grieving. And so we want to specifically speak to pastors. Now, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by our friends at Full Strength Network, and they care specifically for pastors. Pastors, ministry is hard. We understand that. Pastors and ministry leaders, you guys work long hours, you have little rest, and maybe your personal life starts to struggle from that exhaustion because ministry is draining. It's worthy, it matters, but it's draining. Now, often pastors, you get so busy taking care of other people in your ministries and in your church that you don't spend the time you should taking care of yourselves. Full Strength Network focuses specifically on helping pastors. So they created this well-being membership program. Now, this gives you access to confidential coaching and counseling experts. They've got a great list of those relevant well-being resources and a strong community of other pastors who are focused on living just like you, who want to live and lead healthy. If you're interested in this well-being community, head on over to fullstrength.org to learn more. You can sign up there. Pastor, take back your well-being. Who you are deeply matters, and our friends at Full Strength want to help. Now, on to this episode of the podcast. If you've ever had questions about whether your work matters, why your work matters, which I think is all of us, today is for you. Have my friend Jordan Rayner on the podcast, and I've just loved conversations with Jordan along the way, whether it's reading his books, listening to podcast interviews, or just kind of poking a little bit of fun here at the podcast. Um, I always love having a lightning round with Jordan. I think this is his third time on the podcast, which is really rare here, but it's because he thinks very well. He is very intentional. He invests in these ideas, which now invest in us and really our robust theology of work. And I think that is missing today and deeply. The more leaders I coach, the more I realize that we need to develop not only a philosophy of our work, but a theology of our work, why this matters to God. Why are we here on this planet? The totality of that, of course, is not in our work, but man, we spend a lot of time each day working. We all want our work to matter. I've never met anybody that just said, man, my dream someday is for all of my hours of toil to not matter at all. I've just never heard that. You probably haven't either. And Jordan Rayner is one who speaks to why and how our work can matter. But also he talks about his family. He talks about how these things are put in perspective along the way for him. He's a man who thinks deeply. He lives deeply. He lives well and intentionally. He loves his family. And he talks about the conversations that really have evolved in his own life, people that have spoken life into him, challenging moments, even a hard conversation that he had with one of his daughters that you have to kind of hang on to the end to hear. And we have a lightning round at the end. I just want to remind you, friends, that what you do matters, not just because it leads to an end, 
not just because someday there's something on the other side of this, but because you matter. And I want to remind you of this phrase we say, and we'll keep saying here at Stay Forth, who you are matters more than what you do. You are a human, you are loved, you are a son or a daughter, deeply loved by God the Father. And we just want to continue to remind you of that. It is hard to live and lead right side up in this upside down world, but it's near impossible if we don't believe that we are loved, we are treasured, we are beloved daughters and sons of the King. And Jordan believes that, and we have fun talking about work here, but he is dead serious about the role of work and how the gospel can be lived out at home and at work. Meet or re-meet my friend Jordan Rayner as he talks about his new book, The Word Before Work. Jordan, welcome back, my friend. Always one of my favorite interviews without Man, breaks. I feel like, I think this is a three-timer club. So it's it is. you and one other in the three-timer, wow. but unbelievable wow. your release schedule. You just keep <laughs> writing, my friend. It's not like these are blog posts. Like you're writing long, involved books. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And to clarify the question in everybody's mind, I am writing every word of these. I got asked this the other day. Like, you're not actually writing all these books. I'm like, I swear. Every single Fair. word. Yes. Single word. Edited heavily by my editors, but yeah. Yes. Shout out to all editors here who mark Shout up our stuff in red, red and it's way That's better right. afterwards somehow. So, way better. Yeah. Um, but seriously, man, congrats. Um, you just Thank continue you. to throw your thoughts out um, into the world. One of the things that's that's interesting to me as I kind of look at your story, you've navigated a lot of change in the last few years. We literally had a conversation as the world was falling and off air, you're like, I'm not sure what's really going to rise to the surface. So before we get going on your message, let's talk about you. How are you different than you were three years ago? That's a good question. So three years ago, I had left kind of the best job in the world. I had spent 10 years as a tech entrepreneur and finally had found like the venture. We had a stacked group of investors who kept writing checks. The business is growing like a weed. Um, but I left it all behind to write about this message, to create content that helps Christians connect the gospel to their work full time. And so three years ago when you and I talked, I was like, I don't know that this is, gonna work right like i, I just i i don't know yeah. like i think i've got 50 books in me but do i and i think the biggest change alan um has been the lord has just so clearly confirmed this is the work that i prepared for you to do one of my my number one hero of all time um just spoke these incredible words of blessing over me and the work a few weeks ago. And that was kind of the, that was the pinnacle. There were a lot of little moments along the way that God used to confirm the direction. But man, when somebody like that speaks into your life, just words of blessing over you, you're just like, okay, Lord, I'm listening. I got it. I'm going to keep going. Stay on the path. That's been the biggest change of the last three years. Take me back to the time when you somehow got fascinated by work and the connects yeah. that we should have and the disconnects that we've unfortunately landed on. When did that happen? I remember very clearly. So it was about halfway through my career as a tech entrepreneur. 
I was in the process of exiting my second company. I was trying to figure out what I, what I was going to do next, right? When you sell two businesses, the natural thing to do is you go start a third, right? So that was the plan, right? I was going to go start another business. Or you go on a sabbatical around right. the world and start or backpacking. Going on a nah, no thanks. Just like bathing no thanks, your no cash thanks. or something. Exactly. Right now. And so that was the plan. But for a hot minute there, I started to feel this overwhelming guilt that I know a lot of Christian leaders have felt before. How dare I want to go start another business when there's a need for people to move to mud huts 5,000 miles away from home to make disciples and plant churches? And so um, for a hot minute, my wife and I were uh, considering doing just that, not moving to a mud hut, but moving to Washington, D.C. specifically, plant a church. Like that was like the whole plan. And by the grace of God alone, one Sunday after church, I had a mentor pull me aside. Godly guy, led Bible studies. He's like, hey, I hear you're thinking about plenty of church. I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking this guy's like going to pat me on the back, maybe write me my first check. And he just looked me like square in the eyes. He's like, yeah, I got, I got to be honest, Jordan, that, that sounds really dumb for you personally. That sounds really dumb. He's like, you're a gifted entrepreneur. I've seen God's pleasure as you do this work. Why do you think you have to go plant a church in order to do ministry? Like, don't you get that your work as an entrepreneur is ministry? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is, this is nonsensical. I've never heard anybody talk like this. And so he challenged me to go back to my Bible and read Genesis 1 in light of the conversation we had. And what I read changed the trajectory of my life. I saw for the first time that before God tells us that he is holy or loving or omnipotent, the first verb in the Bible is that God created. He was productive. He worked. And furthermore, long before the Great Commission comes onto the scene, God issues the first commission to humankind in the context of blessing to fill this earth and subdue it. Basically, to make more of this world for the flourishing of other image bearers. And when I saw that, Alan, that blew my mind. Of course, it was always there. I had read it a hundred times, but this happens so much with scripture, right? It takes specific moments and seasons of life and other people pointing to us to specific passages for the Holy Spirit to really make that text come alive. And that's what happened for me in that moment. Um, so obviously I did go plant a church. I went to run another business. That's the business I stepped down from three years ago to do this work today. But that was the moment. That was the hinge uh, of my vocational life and, and, and career. Which area do you most struggle to believe that your current work is ministry? I honestly don't anymore because I'm, I'm spending so much of my time um, studying this and expounding upon these truths. I think at the time, going back in time, where I really struggled was, okay, I understand that my work has instrumental value to God, meaning I can go to work and make disciples there, or I can go to work and make a lot of money to donate to the people doing the quote unquote, the Lord's real work in the world. I got that. What I didn't understand was how my work had intrinsic value to God. How does building a business, right, intrinsically matter beyond leveraging it to the instrumental ends of carrying out the Great Commission? And I think that's been the biggest uh, mindset shift for me and, and maybe the most life-giving thing to me. Our work has intrinsic value, 
Because at the end of the day, it's a means of reflecting the character of the first entrepreneur, God himself. It's reflecting the character of a creator God. Our work has intrinsic value because it is through our work that God heals the world, feeds the world, clothes the world, sustains the world, provides for the world. He could do that all on his own, but he chooses instead to do it through human beings. I was thinking about this this morning now, and we're coming up on Christmas, right? Think about how radical it is that God chose to be at the mercy of other human beings' labor when he came in a, the form of a baby named Jesus Christ, right? Somebody had to change Jesus' diapers and feed Jesus. A teacher had to educate Jesus. A carpenter named Joseph needed to teach Jesus a trade. God could have said Jesus as a full-grown man, independent, not in need of other human beings' work. But instead, he sent him as a baby to need and rely on the labor of other human beings. And it's exactly what he's been doing since Genesis 1. God could have created the world on his own. He decided to do it with us. Fast forward to Revelation 22. Jesus could reign over the new heavens and the new earth all alone. Revelation 22.5 says, we will reign forever and ever with them. From the beginning of the story to the middle and to the very end, God has always been looking for partners. That's why our work has intrinsic value, because it's a means of co-laboring with God to love the people of this world on his behalf. And you're preaching now. Look at this. He may Let's not go. be a pastor, Let's but go. he is a preacher on this. Uh, <laughs> instrumental versus intrinsic. I mean... Someone is driving right now and needed to hear those words. And the idea sometimes of whether it's editing for me um, yeah. in terms of a book or a broadcast, uh, a broadcast, maybe I should start a broadcast. I'm, I'm on V4 of a tool in my journal that will help people. And it looks like crap right now. Like those are the times where I'm like, I struggle to believe yeah. that, that yeah. this work matters. And yet yes, a few days from now, a designer will put something on and it'll be beautiful and it'll, it'll eventually change lives. Um, and so I just want you to, to notice yeah. that as you drive down the road and you're winking going, yeah, I'm that person who needed to hear that right now. It's beautiful even that like a CEO is paid to think in some way is that yeah. it's obvious you have lots of time to think deeply on the things that matter and that matter to other people. And that right there is a huge value add. Yes, a hundred percent. It's cool, man. Better myself. It's cool to see you in your in your sweet spot. Um, we better talk about your book, The Word Before Work. Um, again, congrats and thanks. What the heck? It is such a different format. Um, five days a week. I don't know if I've ever heard of this. A yeah, format. I haven't. I haven't. This is why okay. I wrote it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So a format that is every single work day for the year. Why does that format yeah. matter to you? Yeah, because listen, I think if we're going to apply the word to our work, we should probably read some of the thousand passages of scripture that apply to our work before we go to work every day, right? And I went out and looked at the market. I'm like, I can't believe there's not a Monday through Friday devotional in the world. And so I wrote it. I mean, I've been writing a weekly devotional called The Word Before Work for about four years. Uh, and by God's grace, it's it's changed the lives of, hundreds of thousands of people. But I was like, yeah, we need this five days a week. And so this devotional, they're super short. 
two minutes a piece that you can listen to an audiobook or read at your desk to real quickly apply God's word to your specific vocation, whether you're an entrepreneur, a barista, an accountant, whatever. And it's going to help you do two things. Number one, it's going to remind you the eternal significance of your work. And number two, it's going to help you respond in obedience to whatever that means, right? If our work matters for eternity, what's the response to that? The response is obedience to the word and deeper obedience as we live that out in whatever our particular crafts may be. So it's a fun, it's a fun product. I was about to say little product. It's actually not little. It's Mm -hmm. the longest book I've ever written, but when you chunk it up over 260 days, it feels really bite-sized to the reader with the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. I love the unique perspective at that. It's interesting too, that a lot of change um, has happened in how we ingest and need to ingest content differently. And frankly, like the book market's really slow to actually change that way. Yes. And it's unbelievable, like you say, that we haven't actually considered the 15-minute commute or we haven't actually considered maybe the gap between what we want work to be and what it actually can be based on that. So that was the first thing that stuck out to me as I began to read through it as well. Second thought is, which one's your favorite? I mean, of those five times 52-ish, which one's your favorite? Man, that's such a good question. I Man, the, the first one that comes to mind um, is this devotional that I basically stole from Tim Keller. Uh, I gave him credit. Don't worry. Um, but it was it was from, it, it's it's really about Leah and Jacob. The devotional is called the, the Word, The Work Underneath Our Work. And it's basically about Leah's tragic story, right? Leah's tragedy in Genesis is watching her husband, Jacob, long for her sister instead of her, right? And understandably, what Leah wants most is the affection of her husband, right? And so to get it, she turns to her work. And I would argue we all do this today. We turn to our work for the affection of others. Now, Leah's work was specifically the work of childbearing, right? In Genesis 29, it lays Leah's motives real bare, right? So after she gives birth to her first son, Leah says, surely my husband will love me now, right? Mm. But he doesn't. So Leah bears a second child and a third says, now at least, at last, my husband will become attached to me, but he doesn't, right? And then Leah delivers her fourth son, Judah, and something changed in Leah. So after Judah's birth, Leah says nothing that would connect her labor to her attempts to earn her husband's favor. She simply says, this time I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children, right? So on the surface, Leah's work appeared to be the work of childbearing, but her real work, right? The work beneath the work, as Tim Keller calls it, was the work of winning Jacob's love, right? And I, I, I love this devotional because I think there's a work beneath all of our work. It's, man, I want to be really successful so that my dad is proud of me. Or I want to be really successful because I don't really trust God to provide. And so I want more and more money to feel a sense of security, right? But if your answer to the work beneath the work is anything other than the praise of the Lord, you'll never be satisfied, right? But because the Lion of Judah, right, died for us, we can rest knowing that the work underneath our work is finished. And it sets us free to work for his glory alone. We don't need anything from the work that the work was never meant to provide, we can just do the work as an act of worship and joy to the one who redeemed and saved us. So good. So directly aligned, Jordan, with what we talk about at Stay Forth, identity 
and then impact. It's Ephesians 2.10. It's workmanship before works. I mean, it's it's so freeing. And for you to underscore that, I mean, shout out to all of our coaching clients who are working through that, that we get to, we work from identity, not for it. It's so freeing. Secondly, um, how wild that that's the one that fires you up the most is about Leah and about childbearing. And I I wouldn't have guessed that man. Like how, how cool. I wouldn't have guessed it. I don't don't know why that's a way, but, but man, it's, it's, it's a tale as old as time. It's Alexander Hamilton working to make a name for himself in the musical. Right. It is, it is, it is, it is is all of us. We're all, it's the, it's the tower of Babel. We're going to build the tower the story to the of Israel. It's the story it's of me. Story it's the story of Israel. Of, yeah. It's the story of all of us, man. It's the story of all of us. Mm. The work beneath the work. So good. So good. Um, the gospel at work and at home. What yeah. are some gaps you see between us who actually believe the gospel and who fail to live it out at work and at home? What are those gaps you see? Yeah. So anytime I think about this <clears throat> interplay of work and home, I think about how many people I know, how many friends I know who have chased so hard after work that they've neglected their home and their home life has fallen apart, right? And I think the gospel is the only solution to this problem, right? Let me let me try to try to explain. So Genesis 3 we're told that after Adam and Eve sinned, they, they realized they were naked for the first time. They found some fig leaves, made some clothes to cover up their shame. I would argue that you and I do the exact same thing today. Not with literal fig leaves, but with metaphorical ones, right? We are working so hard and often neglecting our families. We're working ourselves to the point of burnout. Often, most of the time, not because we need to financially, but because we need to emotionally and spiritually. Again, it's yes. the work beneath the work, yes. right? Because success at work today in this cultural moment yields one of the thickest fig leaves of our modern era, masking over this fact that underneath it all, we're not really okay, right? But we all know the end of the story. That fig leaf inevitably withers and it forces us to work harder to achieve the next level of success all the while sapping the pleasure out of our work, right? So it's only when we realize that Jesus alone can provide us with the fig leaf that never withers, a fig leaf that says that we are ultimately and perfectly and forever okay. That enables us to work without needing to get something from the work, right? It enables us to rest and spend time with our families and focus equally on the work we're doing inside of our homes as the work we're doing outside of our homes because our fig leaf is secure. Mm, wow. I'm even thinking about the fig leaf of posturing that that work is going well or posturing that this yeah. thing was okay. And we okay. shift and actually 100%. go, it wasn't really a failure. We're just going to pivot over here. Right, like, right, right, right. Rah, okay. rah, rah. Everybody's killing it. That's a the fig thing. Leaf. Didn't work. Right. Sure. It, Instagram, yeah. a fig leaf. So, yeah. so yeah. many good thoughts in terms of the practical fig leaves there. In fact, that may become a coaching question. You might've seeded into like our work here. Beautiful. Um, man, so many questions here. We are going to get onto a lightning round, um, by the way, just cause that was, it was uh, too much fun. lightning rounds last time. Um, let's talk about success and, and dive in just a little bit more. Have you heard of Arthur Brooks's book from strength to strength? I have not. Okay. So he talks about su- success addiction. And this is one that just to dig in a little bit further on the fig leaf yeah. um, piece of that, what are a few 
ways that leaders can free themselves practically from the yeah. success addiction, the fig leaves, the hiding, the posturing, the working way too much because we don't feel whatever. What are some yeah. practical pathways yeah. out of this? Yeah, real practically, you've got to be preaching the gospel to yourself on a regular basis. Not just reading God's word in general, but preaching that the Father is well pleased with you. Yes, how do we do this? Yes, yes, yes. Dig deep there. All right, here here we go. I'll give you something really practical. Do this with your kids as a means of preaching it to yourself. And if you don't have kids, just preach it to yourself every night before you go to bed. Every single night before I put my kids to bed. Last thing I tell them, hey girls, you know daddy loves you no no matter how many bad things you do? They say yes. It's like, hey, you know I also love you no matter how many good things you do? Yes, who else loves you like that? Jesus. That's what we need to hear. The Father loves us on our least productive day ever. And he loves us equally on our most productive day ever. If your venture goes bankrupt, God loves you just as much as if you exit for a billion dollars and give all of that money to missions. Your rewards might be different, but your love and your status as an adopted child of the king perfectly secure. It's the same. That's number one practical thing. Number two, man, we probably need to spend a whole lot less time on social media where it's so easy to be covetous and envious of the success of others. It feeds our soul and our need for more, more, more when we see others having more, more, more. It's a cancer. Uh, I'm about to leave social media completely for the first time uh, by the end of this year. And maybe that affects book sales. I don't really care. I'm an addict. I'm a success addict. And the more time I spend on social media, the worse my addiction becomes. And the more toxic of a person I become because, man, I just can't, I just can't handle it. So I'm just totally dissenting from the kingdom of noise. I love that. And how many of us just need to Admit that. I mean, when was the last yeah. time, Jordan, you felt awesome after coming off of social media? For me, <laughs> the only times that's true is when I'm commenting on other and and affirming other people in that, yeah. right? Like, yeah, and that takes me about seven yeah. minutes to go on and yeah. particularly say, so cool that you've been married for 39 years. Yeah, Dang, yeah. your kids yeah, are yeah. in their Halloween costumes. That was the only thing that actually gives yeah. me energy from that. Um, after a few, yeah. especially when I'm tired, man. Like that is. Yeah. That is my jam. When I am tired and on that, it's like, oh, well, looks like they're all winning. Apparently, I'm not. Yeah. Apparently, I'm a loser. <laughs> yeah. Man, Apparently. Um, man, I love I love chatting about work, um, but I'd love to hear a couple of work habits for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're in a completely different space than you were three years ago. Yeah. Um, yep. And yet, I know you have some life-giving habits that yeah. keep your work on kilter and connected to the Father. What are those? Yeah. So number one, starting every day with a word, which hasn't changed uh, since my previous role running a big tech startup. That's number one. Number two, budgeting my time before God gives me a fresh supply every morning. All my friends have a budget for their money. Very few of my friends have a budget for their time. This is insane to me. Okay. I, how, I legitimately don't get it. Agreed. Yeah. I'm fascinated. How exactly yeah. do you do that? Okay. I'll show you. 
So, and I break this down in detail in chapter seven of my book, Redeeming Your Time. I actually share with you my Google Calendar template that you can literally copy to your own calendar. So I just look ahead of time and say, okay, what do I want my ideal day to look like? So mine looks like two hours of deep work, right? Which is always first and foremost, writing the next book, followed by a 45 minute break, right? I go for a run, I take a shower within that 40 minute time block. Another two hours of deep work, 15 minute break. Another two hours of deep work, 15 minute break about 30 minutes of email, a couple of calls at the end of the day, and I'm done. So the time budget template is essentially, it's a second calendar. So everyone has an existing calendar or a Google calendar or wherever they have their calendar. What I'm recommending is you start a second calendar that represents appointments with yourself so that you're pre-budgeting the deep work that you want to get done in these appointments that you're, yeah, you're making with yourself or the work that you want to get done. You color code it, it's two different colors. So your original calendar, let's say, is red. Your calendar with yourself is green. So you can quickly see the hard, non-negotiable landscape of your day. It's a game-changing practice. I've been doing it for years. And again, I show you exactly how to do it in redeeming your time. But those two habits are pretty big. The other one that's new, so even when I was a sales-focused CEO of this tech startup, I was only checking my email three times a day. Like I was in control over when I checked my email and text messages, not my email system. Today, I'm down to once. I I check urgent messages that my assistant flags for me once a day, which takes about 15, 30 minutes. And I only check all my email once a week now. That's been a game-changing habit. I love it. Awesome. Thanks for sharing those. Really, the practical... Somebody yeah. needed to hear that. Somebody needed yeah, to go, so. man. And there's permission, permission to do it slightly differently. It's actually strangely similar to the way I do mine. We've created the oh, right nice. side up journal and I still yeah. love digital and I still yeah. love analog just for different things. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, sure. it's really helpful for me to start the day fresh and to feel like, man, like you say, we talk a lot about stewarding our money. We don't talk much about actually how to steward our time how to budget yeah. it ahead of time. And it turns out when I don't know what to do, it's pretty easy to scroll. It's pretty easy to waste time when I do know what to do. Uh, I'm not going to miss this meeting with myself or whatever it is. Um, man, thanks for budgeting your time so that you can nourish so many other people through writing and through those <laughs> thoughts. Cause it, it that's comes- how I published three books this year. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it, it really isn't rocket science. Anybody can do it. Like a mule, um, right? Not like a stallion. It's just, you're just chipping away exactly at your right. next book right now. Chipping away. Chip it away two hours a day. Let's go. Awesome. Jordan, I love it, man. Um, I'm going to go through a bit of a lightning round now. And as you know, from yeah. last time, I'm just making questions up off the top of my head. Basically, any crazy to me. Random stuff that I want to ask. Know you. This. He's making this up on the fly. It's like Let's crazy go. impressive. Let's go. Um, whose work habits have you admired over the years? Name one person. Cal Newport. Thank you, Cal. Deep work. Me too. Man crush. Um, what's one experience you've done in the last few years that you loved and it surprised you? Ooh, um, I'm temporarily teaching children's church at my church and I've, I'm very surprised that I have enjoyed it. I mean, it's exhausting, but it's also a ton of fun. I love a show that you're loving right now. Crown easy. Love the crown season five just dropped top shelf TV. It's so great. A quote or thought you've heard recently that is blowing your mind. Oh, man. I think about this quote from Peter Drucker a lot. Um, Drucker, of course, the great management thinker, gave this advice to Jim Collins. When Collins published Built to Last, it exploded. 
And Collins had all this opportunity to build a, a huge consulting business off the backs of that book. And Drucker stopped him. And Drucker said, you can either build ideas or you can build a business. You can't do both. I think about that quote almost every day because there's a great temptation for anyone creating content and really building new ideas to build a big business. See Dave Ramsey. I've opted not to do that. I, and, and that, that's really practical ramifications. I keep my team really small. Um, I want to build ideas. I don't want to build a business. So I think about that quote literally almost every day. Favorite item, a hundred bucks or under that you bought in the last year. Kindle. Kindle. I didn't, I did not expect that. Still reading off the Kindle. Still loving it. Oh man. I I'll tell you why this is all right. This, if you made this far in the episode, congratulations, you're going to have the most game changing tip of your life, especially if you ever want to write anything in your life or just remember what you read. Mic drop is coming. Here we go. Called read wise. It's like a $5 a month app that automatically will export all of your highlights and notes that you take in Kindle to whatever app you want. So I export it to Evernote and It'll send you an email every day with random highlights that you've made over the course of your life. So I've got 10 years worth of Kindle books that, you know, just popped in my email inbox and remind me of these like great quotes. And I use stuff from that all the freaking time. It's a game changer. Mm. Wow. One thing that one of your girls has told you that made you cry. When I was during the big tech startup, uh, my, let's see, my middle one was probably two, three. And she, there was a, there was a, a week or so where she kept drawing pictures of our family without me in it. Um, because I was traveling so much that made me cry Oof. and, uh, made me quit that great job. Wow. Yeah. More on that later. Book coming folks. I'm sure. Uh, book coming, book coming. coming. Wow. Um, if you had to leave your job today, this awesome job that you have formed, fashioned, and designed, what you would go do? I think, so I don't think I could get this job because I'm like a terrible photographer, but I've always thought the coolest job in the world is personal photographer to the president. Like you get to be in every meeting ever personal or professional in the Oval Office, but you don't have to do anything. You're just like on a fly, you're a fly on the wall to the greatest leaders on earth. Wow. I think that'd be a cool gig. Never once thought of that, but someone has to be that job. And why not yeah. you someday? Why, right? why not you? If you're listening, that? someone who could pull strings, just keep that there in mind, go. even if it's for there a year. Um, if you had to intern under one person who is living and leading in the world right now, who would it be? That's a great question. Keller. Tim Keller, easy. Keller, stealing his quotes, interning under him. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Timothy, yeah. do you have do you have a spot available? Just just the thought. Got a spot. Uh, last but certainly not least, a food that has brought you surprise or delight in the last season. Ah, Topo Chico, Topo Chico mineral water. It should not be as great as it is. I don't I don't understand what it is. They're lacing it with angel some. Tears. Addictive drug. I, I don't It's phenomenal. I'm pretty sure when Isaiah in Isaiah 60 mentions the glory of the nations being brought into the New Jerusalem, I, I think the ships of Tarshish contain a case of Topo Chico. 
laid at the feet of Jesus as an act of worship. I'm pretty sure. I can't confirm, but we'll find out one day. Friends, if you listen to the end, that was the nugget you were waiting for. Not only <laughs> this new Kindle app, but Topo Chico, folks. That is it. That's what I heard. That, Jordan, I appreciate you, the way you think, the way you're investing deeply in ideas, and you're helping us think. Dare I say, you're even building up our theology of work along the way. Appreciate you and your work. Friends, pick up the word before work. I have never heard of this five-day devotional. And here you go, man, thinking differently. Uh, researching differently, bringing a scripture that's super practical. Appreciate you, your work, your ministry, your calling, your vocation, all of it. Appreciate you, Alan. Thanks for having me. Keep up the good work. Shine, shine. We ain't focused so long.